Anyone in the country can apply for our grants. What we do is we give out one-time, no-strings-attached cash grants to new and expecting moms in vulnerable populations. Someone can come to our website and they apply for support from us. That's Sarah Koshi. I'm Kara Duffy, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. I love it when podcast guests immediately recommend someone else to come and talk. And that's exactly what happened with you. Uh, I was talking to um, Lee and she's like, you have to, have to, have to, have to talk to Sarah. Like, you have to hear about this. You have to come to the race. And we were automatically a yes before she even finished talking about it. So um, let's tell everyone who you are, where you are in the world, and what you're up to. Yeah. Hi. Thanks for having me. And thank you so much for signing up right away for our race. Um, My name is Sarah Croce, and I live here in Venice, California, where my not-for-profit is headquartered, but we um, service the entire nation. So even though we are um, uh, incorporated in Los Angeles, anyone in the country can apply for our grants. Uh, What we do is we give out one-time, no-strings-attached cash grants to new and expecting moms in vulnerable populations. So what that looks like, someone can come to our website and they apply for um, support from us. And they could ask for anything from a birth doula, which is what I do, to uh, a postnatal doula. Um, Lately, we've been getting a lot of requests for pelvic floor physical therapy support, um, lactation consultation. Sometimes it's as simple as asking for a few pre and post, pre or postnatal um, massages. So there's no limit to what you can ask for. And from there, we look at those applications one by one on our board and um, Yeah, it's been a truly impactful three years since we've been um, been working on this. Well, and what made you decide that this was the space that you needed to create a nonprofit and this is the group that you needed to help? Yeah, so um, I have been a pre and postnatal Pilates and yoga teacher for 17 years, and I became a birth doula about nine years ago when I, the women who I were help, who I was helping, um, preparing for birth started telling me, you know, I was channeling you in the birthing room and I wish you could have been there. And I started to think, okay, probably I should, uh, become a midwife actually is what I thought. I had been living overseas for a while before that. And I met a midwife who kind of very quickly looked at me and said, oh yeah, you're a midwife. And that inspired me to, um, look into it in the States. It's a little different. Um, becoming a doula is a little bit more like becoming a midwife in a lot of other countries. Um, so I started with becoming a doula. Um, and in that I saw that the people who 
probably needed my services the most were the ones that really couldn't afford me. And so I, I mean, this is the short version, um, <laughs> but I, in this, in that process, met a few other like-minded women. One of them is an attorney in the nonprofit space. One of them is in OBGYN. And the three of us kind of came together and thought, why don't we kind of figure out a way to make these services affordable for the people who need it the most? Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I even want to go back to like how you became a pre and postnatal Pilates instructor, because there are many people who choose many career paths, but they have nothing to do with babies and birthing. So was that space always something that you were attracted to? Was it your own personal experiences? Was it what was it about that stage of someone's life and that need that attracted you to begin with? Yeah, it's a good question. And I kind of feel like it found me. Um, I was a dancer growing up. And when I was in college, I had a pretty bad car accident. And I had to have surgery on my leg as a result of that accident. And in my physical therapy, luckily, my physical therapist used a reformer, Pilates apparatus. And so I fell in love with it. And I thought, all right, let me get certified in this just so I'll always have the machine at my disposal. I never thought that I would actually do this, definitely not full time, many, many years later. Um, and my first job was on the Upper West Side of Manhattan uh, at a reformer Pilates apparatus studio where a lot of the women coming to me were pregnant. And I had done briefly a very short prenatal training, um, but because I'm a trained singer as well, I think I had a good understanding of diaphragmatic breathing. And um, for some reason, I would disclaimer, do not have children. I've never given birth, but I have this really good understanding of lifting up and bearing down using the breath. And so I was, you know, 20 years old teaching these women how to breathe from a place of intuition through their labor. Um, and like I said, it kind of chose me. And then, um, I became a yoga teacher shortly after, and it just kept happening to me. Signs kept coming. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, I'm I'm also uh, yoga trained, and the level of which they they mostly scare you about anyone who's pregnant. And when I was going through the course, I actually helped consult also in making this spe- specific program. But I was appalled at what they were talking about in regards to pregnant women. They're like, they can't jump, they shouldn't get hot. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, like who wrote this guide? Because I, I personally know women who are doing CrossFit until their eighth month of pregnancy. And then I know other women who have done absolutely nothing and had, you know, unfortunate things happen. So it's such a personal journey. And the idea that these amazing tools of, you know, yoga and or Pilates, where their first impression is just scaring you away, like don't touch them. When in fact, like they need it at such a different level. Uh, I was just horrified and or amused by how scared we are in Western culture of pregnant women. (laughs) Yes. We're treated like we're sick and we're not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, so then when you saw the women that needed your help, you know, there's so many statistics about how the U S is horribly low on lists of 
successful births and successful pregnancies, especially for women of color, especially for women of poverty. It's embarrassing based on where we rank in other statistics versus our um, other Western countries. What is the reality that low-income mothers are dealing with so that people have an understanding of how valuable your nonprofit is to them? Yeah, I think one of the biggest issues is just that women aren't believed. And when they're on their own and they're in a hospital, especially uh, women of color, especially Black women, um, if you're in a hospital and you're alone or you're, say, just with your you know, male partner and both of you are first-time parents, the the birthing team or the hospital team and nothing really against them. First of all, they're understaffed. And I always say this, that birth is as mysterious as life itself. And so there's a lot of unknowns and the, the, the mom, the birthing woman is the one who kind of really knows what's going on in her own body. And a lot of times she's just quieted and, told that, you know, whatever she's feeling is normal. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you have an advocate in the room with you, or alternatively, if say you have a postnatal doula coming to you after, because there's a very strong lack of care postpartum. And this is where a lot of mortality happens after birth. When, when the uh, mom and baby go home, someone there to say, Hey, be the squeaky wheel you know, advocate for yourself as I'm advocating for you. And that alone, I mean, the statistics are crazy around how the mortality in this country when it comes to maternal death is largely preventable. And like I said, part of that is just not having enough manpower and then not having enough people advocating for themselves. And I think it also leads into something you said earlier of how women aren't listened to, but then there there's so many things about the conceiving, pregnancy, birthing, postpartum spaces that we are not preparing women or men for or whomever is in the relationship for because it's something that is still occurs as such like a 1950s approach of like, Oh, it'll be fine. It'll be great. Like focus on the baby shower, focus on the, you know, the first birthday, everything else in between, you'll figure it out. And it's like, no, no, but everything else in our lives has a checklist or an SOP or a manual, or just even like the realities of what it is. Like there's so the, obviously there's been the meme joking about how men don't know that women don't pee out of their vagina. So that alone should be a sign that we have some major problems. But there's so many things that even women don't know about their cycle, about how to get pregnant or not, like what it, what you should be aware of, what you shouldn't. It's embarrassing. And for women who are listening to this and are now freaked out, what are some basic resources you would recommend they find or get to feel like they're more knowledgeable than not? Yeah, I think the first thing is just to keep in mind that even though, you know, women have been giving birth since time eternal, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's easy or simple and that your individual experience matters. And um, there are so many books and um, Googleable websites out there to tell you kind of um, what to expect and, and all of that. So it can become very overwhelming. Um, I wish I had like the book for someone, yeah. 
There is one author who is an amazing source of knowledge, and I like her because she's pretty um, nonpartisan. So she is just giving the facts, and her name is Emily Oster, and I'd recommend anything she wrote. Um, and she actually just put out uh, a really great article about why you might want a doula, which um, is really cool. Especially I, I, in the past, I swear, two months, I've seen more about doulas than I have ever. It's been really cool. I think there's really a buzz around it. And I mean, the um, the statistics around having a doula are staggering. And they say there's a quote that says um, that if a doula were a drug, it would be inhumane to not give it to a birthing woman. That's how effective we are. Um, so again, not everyone can afford a doula. Um, so I think the most empowering thing you can do before giving birth is educate yourself as much as you can without necessarily having a set in stone plan. Um, the more you know and walk into that birthing room and say, oh, I know what that is. And actually I know that my right is, or I know that it's alternative option is. Then they're like, oh, this, this birthing woman has done her research and we're not just going to be able to say, yeah, that's normal and walk away. We're going to spend a little bit more time on this person. So I think that would be my number one advice would be to empower yourself with knowledge and anybody listening who has any questions, you can slide into my DMs. I am so happy to send you resources, to have a quick phone call with you. I do that all the time. I'm actually not taking births right now. So part of my like, uh, part of what I'm giving right now is a little bit of that kind of like, just like a quick consult, because it doesn't take a whole lot to say, oh, I didn't understand what Pitocin is. I didn't understand that if I take an epidural, I can't stand up again and I have to be monitored all the time. So it's these little things that go a long way. And where, what is your handle so people can find you before? We'll say it again later, but to the yeah, now it's uh, just my whole name at Sarah Croce, um, S A R A H C R O C E, or you can hit up the village as well. We're the, uh, the village for mamas yeah. on Instagram. Yeah. Well, you, there's so many words that are brand new vocabulary when you're be, going to become a parent. And then there's so much that we don't know. And I think historically they'd be like, oh, like you want your mom in the room. And it's like, my mom hasn't given birth for how many decades at this point? Like, I don't, she doesn't remember that experience. She doesn't know. She has no idea about modern medicine technology in this space. Like, I, yes, I w might want her there from an emotional support perspective, but I want somebody who knows what's going on so that I can be in the moment and potentially black out and know I'll be okay. <laughs> like you, you need to build that team around you. And I think it's very similar to having a business or a nonprofit. Like you need a team of resources to kind of protect you and create that space so that you can focus on the task that you have to do in that room. And I'm just imagining myself like having a wheel and a card of like books and resources and my own telephone, to, like phone a friend. I'm like, that's so overwhelming. If just having a doula there to be like, okay, you've got all those things for me. Great. Awesome. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. You know, There's something to be said actually for just having any reliable, calming woman in the room. There's all these studies around just, I, this was so cool. When I first became a doula, I found out they 
there was this really early on study where even just having a another female in the room sitting in the corner knitting while going through birth, the birth outcomes were much more positive, meaning less C-sections, less need for um, any kind of medication if they didn't want that. Um, and that's like a hormonal thing, uh, similar to how when uh, females spend time together, they start to cycle together. Um, so if you can have someone, like I said, who's reliable, because one thing that's true is if you're going to attend someone's birth, you have to be on call for whenever that that baby's about to come. So for me, if I take on a birth for a whole month, two weeks before, two weeks after, I'm on call for that mom waiting for that phone call to say, OK, it's time. Um, but, yeah, if you have a calming like sister or friend. Um, who can be there for you just to hold space along with if you have a male partner, like if they want to be in the room, great. But but it used to be that like all the village women would come together mm-hmm. and help that birthing person. And so there's something really powerful in that. Do you see that more and more women are looking to Asian wisdom or things that we've known and forgotten in this space? Because I feel like doula is one of those things that we've always known we should have. And to your point, it's like trending again from an article perspective. Do you see that changing radically? Is there conflict with traditional Western medicine in these spaces? Like, is it coming more together? How How is the trend shifting in what people know is available and what they're kind of demanding that they have access to? I might be in a bubble here in California, but here, if a doula is in, it comes to a hospital birth, it's like the birth team, the labor and delivery nurses and the doctor, they're usually very excited. It's like a great thing. Um, As far as birthing women who want doulas, I've seen both extremes. A lot of women are like, "I, I really would love to have someone there, whether I can afford it or not. But you do have that those women that are like, I would never want someone else in the room. And actually, if that's what they're feeling is really strong, that's probably really valuable to know. And hopefully that means that, you know, what they're comfortable with is what will be most successful for them. Does that answer the question? <laughs> I think so. Yes. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned earlier at the top of, of this episode about how there are post, like there's lactation consultants, there are um, different massages and techniques, there's acupuncture that's recommended. There's all these things that help a mother feel their best as soon as possible and to make the connection with the baby as soon as possible and just to know what they're doing, like the physical, emotional, spiritual elements of it. None of that is covered by insurance usually. I was hoping that's where you were going with that. (laughs) Correct. That's the thing. It's so expensive just to have a baby. I mean, if you have a baby in a hospital, even if you have insurance, you suddenly get a $4,000 bill at the end of it, at least here in LA. Um, And that's just for starters. That's just for having the baby. If you had any complications, it gets bigger from there. So having a baby Basically, having a baby is expensive. And then if you want to give birth and go through the postpartum experience with grace, as we say, that's tens, if not hundreds of thousand dollars more expensive. And so it be, that's where the, the village comes in. Um, so we, we help 
women who can't afford these things get access to that care in real time. So, you know, especially when it comes to lactation, um, that's a thing that we have to jump to right away. If someone's having trouble breastfeeding, we need to find, we need to get that money to them as soon as possible so they can, you know, make that happen right away. Um, my, my, I love when a birthing, um, mom is just ready. You know, she either has a lot of people around her for support or she happens to have access to the cash that she needs to have that grace, but it's so rare. And then there's the, some people have the access, but they're not, they're not supported by their partner. And so even though, you know, a lot of partners, unfortunately, just don't understand the hormones around it. So mom will come home and they'll be like, what do you mean? You're not, you don't even have a job. All you have to do is wash this baby. Like, why do you need a night nurse for $40,000, which is what it costs to have a night nurse. But if you don't have your mom or your sister or anyone around, I mean, to have just a baby every night in that beginning, those beginning stages without any help is so hard. It is so, it is so taxing mentally physically, mm -hmm. all of it. Yeah. Well, when there's so many studies about how critical sleep is and how I, I don't remember the exact stat now, so maybe we'll include it in the show notes, but it's essentially the not sleeping enough and driving is the same as drinking and driving. Of course then. Right, there you go. So, and that's driving. What about anything else? Like you would never leave a baby with a drunk person for the day. And that's what we're asking moms to do when they've been up all night. Right. And I don't really know what the full solution is because yes, we are helping impactfully helping one woman at a time, but our, like my yearning deep down is that like this becomes, like you said, included in insurance. Um, and I think that's the bigger vision of the village. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I have a lawyer and a doctor on my team who wish they could be here today. Um, and I'm in the process of becoming a nurse midwife. So I'll have a little bit more of a seat at the table as well. Uh, once I'm kind of in the Western system. And I know a lot of doulas are like mad at the hospitals and you could go that way. But for me, I want to create change at the level mm -hmm. of Western medicine and policy. And why can't we change what a labor and delivery unit looks like in a hospital in America? Why can't we look like, why can't we change what postpartum care looks like? What's included? You know, we have the power to do that. I know we do. And it's just a matter of sticking to it and not giving up because it can feel really daunting. Well, and, and you're in a unique position as well, because while people are giving birth every day, like the people who need it the most aren't in that cycle every day. Like you're in it every day. And right. so there's a really interesting tug of war of everyone who knows they need it, knows they need it. And then like, okay, I don't need it now. And so it's like also capturing that energy to, re to remember that we need it all the time for everyone. Um, and I do think being here in California does have an advantage that, I mean, I think about just, you know, thinking about having to, give birth in a place like Mississippi, which has great hospitals and great doctors, but doesn't have a culture or all the resources that you have in Southern California, let alone the knowledge and other people who are even talking to you about it. Right. Um, it, which I know. Have, I believe it's Mississippi. I was just looking at the statistics who does have the highest maternal mortality rate versus the lowest mortality rate, California. Yeah. So there is, you know, it's just that advocacy aspect of it is so mighty. And thankfully, we're hearing more about it 
it's gaining, gaining traction. Yeah. Well, and one way that it's helping to gain some traction for you guys is you're doing the Miles for Mama race, um, which I'm excited to be a part of. I'm excited to be inviting all the Powerful Ladies community and anyone in the Cara Duffy coaching world as well to come join us. Bless everybody about that race, what it does and where they can sign up for it. Yes, absolutely. Um, I guess we can drop the the link for the, yep. for the registration. Um, we are congregating at North Beach Playground. So it's on the beach in Santa Monica. Not bad. Um, on January, excuse me, on September 24th at 9 a.m. Um, this is our third annual. The past two years have been so fun. Last year was even more fun than the year before. It's a loop. So you could either choose to walk a mile with us or run a 5K. If you're running the 5K, it's a fun run, not at officially times, but we will time you. Um, I always walk it. My husband will run it. Um, so, uh, what we do is we meet, we have coffee from a local coffee shop on Montana Ave called Primo Pesa coffee. They're amazing. Um, we will have, we have other sponsors that provide food and other drinks. And, uh, we kind of have like our on your mark, get set, go. The walk itself is really fun. Um, we call it walking the walk for moms in need. And then on the way, uh, it's a loop. So we end where we began. The kids all end up playing on the on the playground. You don't need to have a kid to come. In fact, we would love for people who don't have children to come and support. We need um, allies as much as we need, you know, moms supporting moms. And uh, then we have a big raffle at the end. We're giving away some really cool prizes this year, including coaching sessions with you, which is going to be yes. an item. Um and it ends up just being a really fun afternoon. This year, I'm super excited that my mom and my aunt are actually um, hosting a sister race in my hometown. So that'll be going on at the same time as ours. Um, so that'll be really nice as well. The biggest thing that anyone can do is show up on the day. That's like, we need bodies in the room, getting excited for the cause. But if you want to take it the extra mile, you can... Um, ask people to sponsor your walk or your run. So you can, you know, once you sign up, you'll get a little individual fundraising page that says on September 24th, I'm walking the walk for moms in need. Would you like to sponsor my race? Like even $5 counts. You know, my husband sent it out to his family. He has nine brothers and sisters and he quickly had $500 that he raised. So it can happen pretty quickly if you have like even just a small community around you who wants to support mm -hmm. Well, and what a great excuse just to get outside and be around like-minded people and know that, you know, a great morning in Santa Monica is going to make such an impact for people who you've never met and to really make a difference that matters. You know, there's so many causes out there and it's so hard to choose which ones to support sometimes. Um, but you're, I love that the grants are no questions asked. If you need it, we're vetting you and here you go and like, go do what you know is right for you. Um, especially with that being the the methodology that you believe in of trust the mom and what she needs and what she is asking for and saying isn't okay or is okay. Um, it's just, we don't help the people who need it the most sometimes I feel. Right. And this is such a direct correlation between helping a mom helps the kid helps the community. Like it has an echo effect that I'm sure you guys aren't even measuring yet of what happens when you help a mom um, 
yeah, and like how it even shifts for their kid in the future and themselves. Actually, exactly. And then the siblings, it's, yeah, they say like, if you, the biggest impact you can make in the world is, is women having children because Mm -hmm. then it's just a brighter future, right? It makes sense. Yeah. Well, and there's the, the idiom of like, you know, how, how the mom goes, how the family goes and statistics prove how the women go, the whole community goes. Right. Um, so it's, yeah, where there's such a, so many overlapping correlations that are just aligned with what most people care about. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You, you're hit, you hit the nail on the head right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned your hometown and there being a sister race. Where is that one happening? That is happening in Merchantville, New Jersey. Um, so that's South Jersey, right outside of Philly. And mm-hmm. that'll be at 10 a.m. Eastern time that same day. And same thing. Actually, my mom and my aunt right now just called me. They're like walking around on feet, on their feet, like soliciting. <laughs> small like um businesses asking for support donations um sponsorship so this is their first time so they're just kind of getting started with like how can we get someone to like power our race with a coffee sponsor things like that so it's gonna it's gonna be fun there too and um it's gonna start and end right at my my brother's bar so there'll be a little after celebration at his bar very cool yeah So when you were eight years old, were you in New Jersey at that time? I was, yes. Yeah. What did you think your life would be like? Like, what were you going to be when you grew up? Where were you going to live? You know, I've always, right or wrong, I think I've always been the kind of person that didn't have a whole lot of future idea of what Mm -hmm. I would be doing. I kind of always had this understanding that we don't know, like who knows? Yeah. Even as a kid, I I never really thought like, I definitely want to have kids and I definitely want to get married because I was always just like, who knows if I can get pregnant? Like, who knows if I'm going to meet someone in time to have a baby, all of those things. But I was, I was, like I said, I was a dancer and a singer. And so, you know, I kind of thought I'd be on Broadway, I guess, if I had my way, but life got in the way of that, especially my car accident, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I was, I was thinking if I could give, if I could tell my eight-year-old self anything, it would be to stand up straight <laughs> because <laughs> I'm a Pilates instructor now. And all I see is posture as I look around. And when I see kids yeah. these days, they're so slumped over their phones and, you know, your, your posture starts from your core, from your center. So like really finding your center is a metaphor. It's not just physical, but if you're like tapped in to the center of your body, then you can sit up a little bit straighter and then your confidence changes and with that and if you can go anywhere and do anything. <laughs> well, and speaking of going anywhere and doing anything, you know, creating a nonprofit is not a small task. <laughs> and running it day to day is an even bigger task. How are you managing that and everything that you're up to and having a life and friends and a husband like all these things? How are you balancing it and where have you found like the biggest conflicts with what you're committed to doing, but the realities of time and space? Yeah, it's, that's also a really good question. I, I, I always tell people, if you're thinking about starting a nonprofit, really think hard because it is the job that keeps on jobbing. It's always hanging over my head. I feel like I could always be doing more. Um, as I said, I'm a yoga teacher. I don't teach a lot of yoga anymore, only when I do, I, t- I host international retreats pretty much every year. I'm actually skipping this year. Um, and so, but for me, I'm a huge meditator and meditation is what gets me through 
all of what you just said, um, meditating on being enough and doing enough. Um, but I spin out, I spin out and I, I, you know, I have a lot going on cause I'm also in school, as I said, mm -hmm. um, but spending time with my friends helps when I can, I've started, um, doing a, once a week, I have a girl's group that hangs out and we do something, whether we like go and have a happy hour or we go to the beach. And I really try to stick to that because having mm -hmm. a strong, um, group of females around me, just like in the birthing <laughs> room, it's so important. Um, mm -hmm. uh, my husband is incredibly, incredibly supportive too. So that really helps. Um, and you know, I do set aside a specific time to work on the village stuff. And then if it leaks in, that's okay too. Every once in a while, it, well, it does. Um, yeah. But I think as, as I, as I get more and more, um, in it, you know, this is our third annual and already I have a bunch of sponsors already. I already know what I'm doing this year. This year is just about like getting bodies at that, at that North beach playground at 9am on September 24th. I'm able to focus on that more this year mm -hmm. because the sponsors have returned and we know what we're, what the general day looks like. It's not as hard from that aspect of things. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's, I started coaching in the nonprofit space and then moved into for-profit and now when somebody says, should I start a nonprofit? I'm like, no. I know. No. I didn't want to say that. I actually <laughs> did say no. But I, but it's true because like it's it's as much work as for profit. And then there's extra yeah, so hoops. You know, you know. Yeah. And <laughs> there's so many ways to be a B Corp or a social corporation. Like you can still give away so much of your money. Yeah. And like there are so many ways. Not that and some nonprofits are like easier to run than others. Um, but I know for everyone who started a small nonprofit or a small business, like it's just the admin work that gets in the way so often. And there's, I don't, people don't talk about that a nonprofit is the same. It's just a tax shift. It's a tax shift with more admin work. And you're like, mm, is the tax shift worth it? Like, how do we, how do we shift that? Right. And then I'm sure as you've seen, it's shockingly hard to get people to give money. It is. And it's like you said, they're spread thin, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm actually working with Maylee, wonderful Maylee. She's helping me to um, create more of an online presence. And I've literally posted one reel. So I was thinking about like, before I came here, like what holds me back, you know? And one thing that holds me back is the fact that I get nervous to put myself out there and to ask people for things, but Maylee's like, just make them care, you know? So yeah. Making them care, I think, is going to be a huge, is going to create a huge shift. Like if I can say like, this is what's happening. This is what we're doing. Here are the statistics. I think from there, the the money could come in a little bit more easily and not just from my, you know, there's only so many times I can ask my aunt for $20, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying, we're trying to figure out how to like find the broader audience and, yeah. you know, and make them care. And then that's, that's kind of where we're starting. And again, every time coming back to, I'm doing enough. We're doing enough. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. I've had a post-it on my monitor for a long time that just says, educate, educate, educate. Because okay. yeah. it's so, I catch myself all the time. I catch my clients doing it where we forget that we're at step eight of understanding this world that we're in, whatever our specific spaces. But the people that we really want to help are like negative five. Right. 
Yeah. So like just going back to telling people like, what is a C-section? What is a doula? Like the, we forget that the basics make such an impact and it's, I'll forget it all the time too. Cause we'll also, when you do start creating content in that educate space or the informed space, we get bored with ourselves. So often we'll run away from that plan before the audience is, is complete with it. So it's a really interesting struggle of not getting in our own way and just keeping it really simple because that's where it begins. Yes. Not getting in our own way. That's a huge one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What have you learned about yourself throughout this process of being a doula, but even also of running this nonprofit? What have I learned about myself? Um, I've learned that I need a lot of sleep <laughs> and it gets in the way. I like don't have enough hours in the day because I like my nine hours of sleep a night. Um, I tried for a while to just like sacrifice that to get things done. Um, but it's important to fill your own cup, right? Um, before you can give out. So I've always known that, but I learned that in a new way doing this work. Um, I've learned that I'm I'm pretty good at asking for things. Um, I've learned that to uh, have a nonprofit, you either need a lot of money or a lot of time. <laughs> so I'm working on giving my time. Yeah. Um, and uh, as a doula, oh, wow. I mean, I've learned that there are definitely past lives because the first birth I ever attended, I was like, I've done this a million times before. And then it comes back to the the witchy midwife in Australia telling me that I was a midwife after she met me for five minutes. And I was just like, okay, like I've always kind of looked at that as something that's probably true. And then that happened and I was like, whoa, okay. This is definitely something that's been there before and uh that I'm kind of like I said called to this work this work found me Mm -hmm. when you hear the words powerful and ladies what do they mean to you and are their definitions different when they're separate versus next to each other oh wow uh well that's funny because ladies you hear the word ladies and you think of like you know someone who's like proper and quiet and so I think putting those words together actually is really powerful um, because, you know, it's kind of this idea that we can, ladies can be all things. Um, And uh, yeah, I I know so many, I'm blessed to know so many powerful women and starting with my mother and my grandmothers and my aunts. And I, I, I know that I am very lucky to have an amazing family. Um, and so I've always been surrounded by powerful ladies who can do all things. Love that. We ask everyone who's on the podcast where you put yourself on the powerful lady scale. If zero is average everyday human and 10 is the most powerful lady you can imagine, where would you put yourself on that scale today and on an average day? (laughs) Wow. Um, well, I, I'm, I'm. I'm not great at giving myself accolades. I will admit that I'm working on it. So I'd love to say like, I'm an 11, like, (laughs) yes. Um, But you know what? I'm going to just say it. I'm going to say it. I think that I'm a 10. I think that I'm a 10 today in this moment. (laughs) Um, 
to be putting myself out there, even on this. I've never done a podcast before. So this is all very new to me. Um, on an average day, maybe a seven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and you're doing great. Nothing brings me more, more joy than knowing that this is someone's first podcast. So <laughs> thank you. Um, you know, we there's so much that you're up to, and I'm sure so many people do want that consult with you, do want to support the Miles for Mamas. Where are all the places they can find you? Websites, handles, all the things to yeah. connect, support, um, and help you. I think if you are welcome to go to our website, we love people to visit our website and get to know us. Um, That is the village for mamas.org. But our Instagram is probably where we're most engaged. If you click in our bio, we have a link tree that says like donate that says, you know, sign up for the walk. And that most importantly says sign up to receive support or apply for support. So if you're listening to this and you need support, You're the ones we're talking to the most, right? You're the ones that we want to visit us and tell us your story. We have a really short um, application on our website, or you can access it right through our Instagram and just tell us what's going on. And we will, we look at every single application. So we will see it and we will get back to you in seven to 10 days. (laughs) Always. Perfect. And for people who want to consult from you or want to work with you directly, yeah, like I said, either right through, I am, I sometimes joke that I am the village. <laughs> um, so if you DM the village, you're going to get me. Um, but you can also um, follow me directly. I have so much going on that I don't really have like a doula page for myself. It's just sure. like all Sarah Croce at Sarah Croce is where you can message me and just say, Hey, like I am pregnant and I am lost. Like I'll be like, let's, let's chat. Let's get on a phone call. It's, it's, it's the best time I can, I can give because it's, um, it's really easy for me. Like you said, I'm at the eighth step. And so I know so much about this stuff that I take for granted how much I know. And so easy for me to just kind of tell you a few things, set you on the path. Well, we know that you guys definitely need donations and you definitely want people to come and walk and run in September which all the links will be um, where we post this and um, in our link in bio as well once this episode is live. Um, But what else do you need? I think this is a really supportive, helpful community. I believe firmly you never know who has that next key that's going to unlock something for you. So what is something that you're trying to manifest or on your wish list? Yeah. So we just launched a new program called the Pay It Forward program. And so if you have a storefront, it's best most impactful. What we will provide for you as a partner is we'll put you on our website as someone who is, you know, actively um, helping women in need. And we'll provide a little plaque that you can place at your point of sale and people can scan the QR code and make a small donation to us. You'll get your own little fundraising page so you can track daily, weekly, monthly, how much you're contributing um, we'll have, we have like little, you know, celebrations and parties for our partners. Um, and so if you wanted to get involved in that, even if you don't have a storefront, you can pop it on your website as well. We give you a little badge that you're a proud pay it forward partner. And, um, so that's something we just started. Um, so we're hoping that kind of helps with some more passive donating. Um, and then, 
The other aspect of the, for the race, so more immediately, anyone listening who has like some swag they want to contribute to our swag bags, um, we are always looking for those. In the past, we've had like diaper rash cream and we've had like CBD lubricant, like all kinds of cool donations, um, little like snack bars, little squeezies, anything goes. And then finally, like anyone who wants to um, donate product to for anyone to eat or drink during the, during the event. We've just remodeled this year that this is like our one big fundraising. We were doing four, four fundraisers a year. Like that was our big one, but three others. And it just got to be too much for me. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of putting all of our efforts into this, into the miles for mamas. Um, and so that's kind of a lot of our focus is there right now. A lot of my focus is there right now, especially because it's yeah. only seven weeks away now. Yep. Yeah. Amazing. Well, it has been such a pleasure to meet you and talk to you today. I'm so excited to be participating in September. Yes. Um, but just thank you for the work you're doing. Um, I've said it before in this podcast that I, when I have these chats with guests like you, I get to sleep better at night knowing that someone's worried about something I am, but they're doing something about it so I can focus over here. And so just thank you for the work you're doing and who you are and what you're committed to for moms everywhere. I love that. Thank you for this platform and for so readily signing up. And I can't wait to meet you in person. All the links to connect with Sarah, the Village for Mamas, and to sign up for the Miles for Mamas event are in our show notes at thepowerfulladies.com. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening and leave us a rating and review. Come join us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies. And if you're looking to connect directly with me, visit caraduffy.com or cara underscore duffy on Instagram. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love.